This is the Mosaic Church Podcast. Mosaic Church is committed to making disciples that discover Christ, connect in Christian community, and serve others and the world. Chapter 4. Uh, if you look carefully, there's a picture of a, a lion, a pride of lions. Uh, I couldn't think of another picture, but the, the topic is really pride. And... Um, there's so much more to this story as I shared last time, so I'm going to do this again. I don't know if you can tell which movie this is, uh, so I'm going to say a quote. You have to figure what movie it is. They're not going to catch us. We are on a mission from God. Anybody? You guys are too young. That's why. The Blues Brothers. Say hello to my little friend. Um, Micah's all-time favorite movie. I'll be back. Again, these are all movies in the 80s, basically. Uh, if you build it, they will come. Yes. How about this one? Uh, I won't do it with the accent, although Royce tried to, tried to get me to do the accent. <laughs> it's, I'm, not so, I'm not secure enough to do the accents. You know, literally, last week you told me, to, you know, two weeks ago you told me to do it, and I kept wondering, like, why I didn't do it? It's, it's because I was afraid to not do it right. And why am I afraid not to do it right? I'm not so secure. Uh, as I thought it was. Hello, my name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. <laughs> I could do the Spanish ones, okay? <laughs> you keep saying that word. I don't think it means what you think it means. It's my princess bride. How about this one? We've all done it. So good to see Elijah. Uh, Luke, I am your father. <laughs> uh, yeah, Star Wars. Um, now... This is the time of year in about a couple weeks. Uh, I don't know if you do this, and if you do, keep doing it. I do not want to discourage you from, from doing that, uh, but sometimes some people will send me Christmas letters, and maybe you've gotten a Christmas letter similar to this, and can I just, you know, uh, Michelle talked about being vulnerable. Uh, when I get newsletters like this, I don't like it, all right? So I'm going to read you a, a, a newsletter that maybe you've gotten. Yeah, do we have the, yeah. Merry Christmas. My Ch Charlie, her husband, got a big promotion and they doubled his salary. Which allowed him and us to build a swimming pool, but in the living room. The kids now can slide from their bedroom into the swimming pool. How cool is that? On top of that, his company had a meeting in Rome, Italy, and we all went with him and were able to spend Thanksgiving in Rome, Italy. We got a new van, had to get rid of the five-year-old jalopy. We didn't want to go past that 100K mark. Erica, our oldest daughter, just got her SAT scores. Praise the Lord. She got a perfect score. And she wants to be a doctor and go to a third world country and help the extremely poor. Philip is on the high school football team, and he's the varsity quarterback, even as a freshman. We got on his case for getting that B in history two quarters ago. Megan just entered the sixth grade, and she's still in ballet and gymnastics, She's the top of her class, and the dentist told us that she has perfect teeth and will not need braces. Praise God. She saved us $10,000, and I guess we can go on that summer vacation at the beach house. 
I'm doing well too. I love having all the time to make homemade goodies with my perfect hubby and kids. I have a few hours every day to pray and seek God in a quiet house. Merry Christmas. <laughs> yes. Uh, I used to get those letters and maybe, uh, please send those letters if you get them. I want to rejoice with you. Um, but it's hard, isn't it? It's hard because jealousy comes in, uh, or I would, and jealousy is a, a close cousin to pride, and it's not just pride or jealousy of the family sending the letter. It's no, it's me as the recipient of the letter. It would begin to reveal certain things in my heart, and maybe you're not as different. You're not too different than I am, but sometimes those letters reveal something about me and my heart and where I am. I don't know if you ever heard of the seven deadly sins. If you were raised a good Catholic, you know of the seven deadly sins. There's one of them that still is considered still a sin, and that is pride. Sloth, we've changed the word to gamer. <laughs> Uh, so it's, it's, it's been uh, adjusted. Uh, lust, it's an internet browser browser. Greed is someone who's ambitious. Anger is someone who's being himself or herself. Envy is someone who's on Facebook, face, I wrote here, Facebook or an Instagrammer. Gluttony is just somebody who's pudgy and happy with their body. And so they're not as bad anymore. But pride is still on the bad list. To think highly of yourself above others is still looked upon with disdain in our culture. There's one problem with pride. It's a big problem, and even here at Mosaic Church, pride is difficult to see in one's own life. We're very good at seeing it others. It's easy to see pride in other people. It's very difficult to see pride in our own lives. When you read Daniel chapter four, you're gonna see a story of a man who is incredibly prideful. And God is gonna use his circumstances in his life to bring him to a right place. One of my all-time favorite stories, and I don't know if I, I could actually execute it real well, I'm gonna try. I don't know where I read it, but it's a story about a wife who heard a radio newscast come on. And she hears that the, on the eight o'clock news that someone on the highway is a crazy man and going on the highway the wrong direction. So they go on the radio program and they're making an announcement. So she calls her husband. She says, honey, be careful. There's a crazy man on the inter interstate going the wrong direction. And he replies, honey, there's not just one crazy man going on the interstate. There's hundreds of them. Get it? See, I didn't say it right. You guys didn't laugh. That's what it's like. We all think that it's somebody else, isn't it? It's somebody else going the wrong direction. Um, I love that last song. It's so rare that we ever sing a song to say I'm sorry. I mean, um, I had not heard it before this morning. They were practicing. And it was shocking, wasn't it? It's just not part of our vernacular anymore. And, and we're talking about in the church. To say I'm sorry, I repent. Uh, one of the things that maybe we use words that are a little, uh, maybe considered antiquated, old-fashioned, 
even in our Apostles' Creed, to come back to judge the living and the dead. Judging. God is going to come back to judge. And that's something, that's why I love saying it, because that's the truth. Although it may not be culturally acceptable for someone to judge. We, we, have, we have landed in time where it's, it's almost impossible to say that something is unnatural without being offensive. You know, back in the day, you could say, oh, that's an unnatural act, or that's an unnatural thing, or that, and, and we are now to the point where to say something's unnatural, you're, you're going to offend people. And so the thing about pride is that we don't think it's in us, and that's one of the, my biggest challenges as a, a pastor uh, of any church, or the pastor of any church, is to see yourself as the antagonist and not the hero in the story. It's going to be easy to say, well, I want to be like Daniel. But you can't see yourself as Nebuchadnezzar. I'm here to ask you, would you consider seeing yourself as Nebuchadnezzar? I think the sooner you get to see yourself as Nebuchadnezzar, the better you become like a Daniel. I believe Daniel doesn't uh, just, it, it, he doesn't just happen to be a Daniel. I believe he understands certain things about his own life. And, he, and he's lean on the on the power and the, and the presence of God in his life, that he can do these incredible things that we all see that is throughout the story. Pride. My, my next slide. Sometimes God will use difficult life experiences to remove the blinders from our eyes and show us what our hearts really contain. He exposes and confounds our pride in order to transform us from the inside out. One of the most difficult things that you and I will have to begin to just uh, figure out is that when we go through tough times, we need to ask ourselves, I think there's an easy way to say this, is ask ourselves, Lord, what are you trying to teach me? I'm not saying that something bad happens in your life, it's God punishing you, but I will be saying that I believe God wants to teach you something in those difficult times of your life and my life. So you may have heard years ago, uh, 13, 16 years ago, I, was, I had a real bad case of Bell's palsy. My face looked like I had um, a stroke, and I have permanent damage from that. If you look carefully, which don't do that, all right, uh, you can see that my face is not perfectly uh, symmetrical. So there's, there's a difference from one side to the other. And I have to be careful because this is how I make my money. And so, uh, and seriously, uh, Rhea was there during that time, and a few might, might have been there. It was a difficult time. It was a difficult time. But um, the Lord gave me enough insight that I didn't fake uh, shake my fist at him like, why did you do this to me? But I remember asking the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to learn from this? One thing I'll just tell you, I'm going off script here, is I learned, you know the, the vows, uh, for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in health, in sickness or in health? Probably all of you have done that uh, vow. Um, I, I don't think I understood the depth of my marriage love until we went through a very difficult moment. I bet you, if you were to have time, 
that some of you who have gone through difficult moments, the old saying, you know what they say is like, uh, marriage doubles your joys and divides your sorrows. And a good spouse does that. And I tell you what, I felt a connection and a depth in my marriage when during those very difficult times that I was going through, that I believe it really laid a massive foundation for uh, Robin and I. We'd never experienced that until that time of, of sickness. So what I'm telling you is that sometimes God will use experiences to remove blinders from our eyes and show us what's really in our hearts. In Daniel 4, we're not gonna go through the whole thing today, and I'm gonna ask you to please read Daniel 4. We're gonna, we're gonna truncate the message today and finish chapter four next time. But he's gonna expose pride in Nebuchadnezzar's heart, and he's gonna transform him. And so I would say that uh, Daniel chapter four is a journey from pride to humility via a massive great fall. Matter of fact, um, it's, it's ironic that Austin was up here. I kept thinking, this is kind of like a, a teen challenge story where, you know, typical, I've seen some guys, Austin, you can correct me afterwards, but I've seen guys, I've heard, heard the testimonies where maybe they were star athletes or they were, you know, had a uh, position of authority and they, were, they owned businesses or they were sons of someone that had a big business and because of life circumstances and choices they've made, they have been a mighty fall. And then, they, then because of court or their own choice, they find themselves on a, on a group house on Appalachian Parkway. Um, and, and, and all of a sudden, they're being told what to do and how to live life. And all these humbling things that they have breaking through. But in that process, that's what I love about Teen Challenge, is that God is using them to see so they can... They're, their blinders can be removed and their hearts can be exposed. But not all of us have that opportunity to go to Appalachie uh, Group House called Teen Challenge because that's where, you, I mean, you're forced to deal with it. Many of us, if not all of us, are not forced. So that's why we have to allow, the, the Holy Spirit uses that facility to do its work. But the Holy Spirit wants to do his work in your life and in my life. And so we have to be open. So we say, Lord, what are you teaching me in my financial ruin? What are you teaching me in my physical uh, shortcomings or my physical illness? Lord, what are you teaching me in my, uh, the, st the stress of my relationship in my family? We have to be teachable. We cannot be that person that thinks it's everybody else is going the wrong way on the highway. We can't be. And if you're that person, you're really never going to remove the blinders of, on your eyes. And it can't be, you can't do this all the time. You can't be like, I wish my husband or my, my spouse was listening or my kids or I wish someone was here at church listening to this message. They really need to hear this message. If you're thinking that, then you're really not allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Can't, that's a trick of the enemy to always think, I wish my husband's listening. I wish my wife is listening. Now the Lord knows that you're here and I'm here. And I will tell you, uh, maybe it goes back to what Michelle says, every message I preach, I am preaching to myself first. I, I'm, even though I'm elevated here, uh, it's because for visual purposes, I am not in some way giving some 
perspective that somehow I've arrived and I'm preaching down to you. I know the Lord's gonna teach me this lesson first. I expect it every week to be taught first. So I come to the Lord with my hands open and say, Lord, teach me something. What are you trying to teach me? In Daniel chapter one it says, to the nations and peoples of every, it's incredible. This is the testimony and then he's gonna share the story. To the nations of peoples of every language who live in all the earth, may you prosper greatly. It is my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders that the Most High God has performed for me. How great are his signs, how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is eternal kingdom. His dominion endures from generation to generation. Just think of it. If you look at chapters two and three, you'll see that there's this transition where Nebuchadnezzar was this persecutor of the faithful. And now he's becoming a witness of the faith. It is my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs in verse two. There's this dramatic shift that happened in his life. What happened? What happened that caused this shift to happen? Was it miracles that he saw in chapter three? It wasn't. Was it the miracles that he saw and the, the words of, of taking his dreams and, and, and translating them? It wasn't that. You know, sometimes we think, Lord, if you could just create this miracle, then my friends will believe. And it, sometimes, Lord, if you could just do this, will they believe? And, and here Nebuchadnezzar had these miracles after miracles happen in front of him, but it wasn't the cause of his belief, his transition. What was it that shifted his life? Was it the miracles, the describing of the dreams, interpreting of the dreams? Was it the three Hebrew children in a fiery furnace? From what we're reading, it doesn't seem like that's what changed their life, his life. Miracles usually get people to stop in their tracks and to think, but I believe true conversion can only happen when you have a personal encounter with Jesus. That's why it's important that, it, that you need to begin to examine your heart and your life because I know that being in Christian community can be a good thing to be a part of. Nice people, honest people. You know, um, maybe someone has a, the Christian logo of the fish on their business uh, van and you're gonna say, well, I wanna do business with that guy because I'm gonna get this feeling that he's gonna treat us right. And there's some, there's tremendous benefits of being part of the Christian community. But that's not gonna change your life. That's not gonna give you a relationship with Jesus. It is a personal experience. It's a Saul, Paul experience of having an encounter with God's power and grace. And that's exactly what happens to Nebuchadnezzar. He has an encounter with God. In verse four, Nebuchadnezzar was at home in my palace, contented and prosperous. And I'm not gonna go much longer, maybe two more minutes, but I wanna challenge you. And I'm gonna ask you at the end, say, Pastor, I'm gonna ask you to say, you're gonna say, Pastor Murray, yes, I deal with, with pride in my life and sometimes I'm difficult to, um, to, it's difficult for me to hear the truth, whether through, through the Lord, through his word, or through people. I am Nebuchadnezzar. I was at home in my palace, 
contented and prosperous. I had a dream that made me afraid. As I was lying in bed, the images and visions that passed through my mind terrified me. So I commanded all the wise men of Babylon to be brought before me to interpret the dream. And if you read the rest of the story, before the end of the day, his life has shifted. But here, we see in verse 4, he was at home in his palace, contented and prosperous. Sometimes that is the most difficult place to hear from God. When we are content, whether in our relationship, content with our relationship with God, content and prosperous, we don't need anything from the Lord, we got it all together, and uh, the story's gonna shift. And we are gonna go next week and dive into this story, how he shifted. How did he come to bowing his knee as we see in verse one, two, and three. So this morning, I just want to pause there. It's a long chapter, and I didn't want to make it a long sermon uh, and lose us. But let's just pray and ask the Lord, help us to recognize that we have pride in our hearts, and it's difficult to see things. And we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to help us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you for this day, that what you've made. Lord, we rejoice in it. Lord, we thank you for your Holy Spirit that comes to not only empower us, not only to encourage us, but Lord, to convict us and to open our eyes. Lord, we are so susceptible to being prideful, Lord, that we think that we don't need to change, that we think that somehow I'm not as bad as the next person or I'm better than the other person. And so, Lord, I'm going to ask you to speak into my life right now. If there's areas in my life, Lord, that I am blinded to you, your will, and your way. If that's you too, you want to join Pastor Mari, just I'm going to ask you, every eye closed, head bowed. Uh, if, you, if that's you, just say, raise your hand, and I want to just pray with you. Yes, amen. Hands all over the place. I'm raising my hand. Lord, I recognize... I don't know what I don't know, and I'm asking the Holy Spirit to reveal certain things in my life. Even as simple things, like two, three weeks ago, when I was challenged by Royce to use my accent, but I couldn't do it, Lord. And although it sounds so small, it really was a glimpse of my identity in Christ. Lord, help me to even in little things, to open my eyes. Lord, I don't want to wait for calamity to happen. For me to have an encounter and change in my life. I don't want to wait for my spouse to leave or my husband to leave or my kids to go uh, a wrong way and, or financial ruin. I don't want to get to that point, Lord. Lord, help me to be humble enough to repent to acknowledge, to ask you, Father, to come into our lives and reveal and heal in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, for your loving kindness. Help us to learn from this story. Help us not to be the kind of person that thinks we know, we know the story already, but speak to us in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. May the Lord... We want to thank you for listening. 
We pray that you were blessed and encouraged. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to this podcast and listen whenever you like. To find out more about Mosaic Church, please visit www.mosaicchurchtlh.com.